welcome to the Screen and Needle podcast. Join Will, Mark and Andy, as they talk about a random selection of movies and albums and then assign an arbitrary numerical rating to them. Ooh, compelling stuff. do the intro oh i thought this is when you said you were taking my role i thought it was going to be the whole nah fuck that no oh, i right, just okay the, that i'll do the <laughs> uh i'll do the questioning and direction bit all right let's get to it my name is will holden and today i am joined by andy melbourne how are you sir i'm good thank you uh spoiler Excellent. alert because uh because you're not going to turn and say you're joined by Mark. Um, <laughs> I could have done a whole uh, Alan Partridge thing. And the Eagles, but no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I felt like I'd missed Mark too much um, without having him here. So obviously if uh, we went for a hike today and then I spent three hours in the pub with him. So that's <laughs> definitely going to affect the podcast mood. You got your mark, Phil. Well, today is a uh, the first of a few special kind of mini podcasts uh, that we're going to be putting out. Um, this one being about Stranger Things predictions for part two of season four. Um, I think it's worth noting that we're doing this on Wednesday, the 29th. So we are, what, two days away? Yeah, Friday, yeah from release so we are we are pre-release date but this will probably go out either on or after friday realistically well i think we're we're heavily focusing on predictions for part two so the uh the fun thing for the listener i guess will be uh how just 100 (laughs) percent right we are with every prediction yeah how horribly horribly wrong we've been um but do you want to have a chat first about Season four, part one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think like we're both. We don't need to cover the first three series, but I think we're both. Uh, we were both very excited for season four. Mm. Um, there's a lot of series that I like look forward to. Uh, future series of but Stranger Things is probably. It's got to be right up there. I think. It? It, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's top of the pile of like new releases for me. Um, and two episodes in, I would have said I was probably slightly underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like they separate all the characters and it's quite a slow build and you're kind of catching up on where the characters are up to. I think from episode three onwards, it's potentially my favorite series. And I think episode four is probably my favorite episode of of Stranger Things so far. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with you there. Um, me and Catherine watched it a bit differently. We watched it sort of in two blocks. Um, so that kind of, I guess, a little bit of lag in the first couple of episodes, getting the setting back down, showing you where the characters are, kind of flew by for us because we were we kind of binged through, yeah, the first four and then the second four, uh, second five. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, really good. I think they've dealt with the characters getting older well um you know they're all kind of in different places in their lives um 
I think Lucas is getting a bigger role in this series. Um, I think they're handling some of those like aging bits quite well. I think because they're kind of dealing with a each series, they're kind of added new cast members in, and they do so again in this one. Like Argyle's a, although he's a very two-dimensional character, still a standout for me. Just funny screen time every time he's about. Love a bit of Argyle. Yeah. We were joking that Jonathan's entire purpose of the series is just to introduce Argyle. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot to do this time around. Yeah, I think... Um... I think that's the other thing. Like, because they've introduced more characters, they've got a very big cast, and not everyone is going to get like equal screen time. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, the ones that have had very little to do are the kind of the right choices. Like, well, I think both Will and Mike, who have yeah. been um... Will, Will, Mike, and Jonathan, I think are the are the main three that have kind of lost out on much screen time. I think, to be honest, they're the three characters with the least sort of interest in them as characters. Well, I think their arcs have kind of done, haven't they? Like, I think Will, Mike, and Jonathan's story sort of gets dealt with in the first series, more or less. Yeah, I mean, Mike. Um, I'll be honest, I've never really liked Mike. Kind of <laughs> irritates me a bit. Jonathan. The thing is, they had such a switch around from his character, like kind of as soon as him and Nancy were together, yeah. like they felt like there was nowhere else to go. And Will, it's harsh to include Will in terms of that, really, because Will, Noah Snap has been like very good for the first few series because he's like for the first two, he was the kind of the focal point in a different way. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. him necessarily like as a character, it was him kind of responding to being the, the guy in trouble. And I thought yeah. he was, I thought he was excellent as that, but the problem is, is that he doesn't have enough of a character outside of it. So. Mm, starting to fade into the background a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they've made good choices on that. Like they focused in on their characters that are, important and they've added in um characters that uh you don't need to add in like more main characters like you're fine to add in just comic light relief alongside yeah, it or... absolutely like argyle um but you've got a couple of returners like robin and erica who um i think are both great characters and add quite a bit to the cast i'm pleased to see erica's getting a bit more screen time because she felt like a bit of a um, a little bit of a joke character in season three, but yeah, she's she's Eric aged as great, well, yeah. and just a, as an actor, she's like superb. And uh, yeah, <laughs> like I think you're right. I think some of the ones that have taken a back seat are the right ones, and some of the ones that are starting to get a bit more of a foothold. I mean, the biggest one for me is is Max. Like I mm -hmm. didn't I didn't I didn't dislike Max at all in uh, in series three. But um, but because of her like story arc has obviously like absolutely risen to the top. Yeah. In, uh, in series four, and Sadie Sink is is just excellent. Like mm -hmm. uh, that. I would say the, I mean episode four in particular is. Uh, well, I said it's one of my favorite or my favorite episode of Stranger Things, and it's in 
part because of her. Like, yeah, like, oh, I think definitely. She's, like, outstanding in it. What did you think of the Russian part? Because we haven't talked about it at all, really. And it, it's a co current story throughout the whole series, more or less. Yeah, I think it's great. Like, um, the the kind of the storyline of we can get into this more because I think it might be my start of the predictions. But okay, obviously, like like you say, like it is completely separate, and I think like you've got two duos going on there. Um, mm-hmm. Like you've obviously got Joyce with um, Murray with Murray and Murray has always been a bit of a like stand outside character. They've just decided <laughs> yeah. to give him like more screen time, let him shine. Karate powers. I, I mean, those scenes are just, just <laughs> absolutely superb. Yeah. He's, when he's talking about, um, he's talking about his experience in karate. <laughs> when he, he's talking about the kids that he beat that one time. He was yeah. Like 14. <laughs> but he was big for his age. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously um, you see him kicking ass and he's, he's super. But also like the Hopper stuff, like you see Hopper sort of beaten and um, I struggle to watch some of the scenes with the uh, with him trying to get the shackles off his ankles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were gruesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm also a big fan of Grigori, the sort of philosophical Russian guard who helps Hopper escape. He was a, a cool addition. I don't know if he's got a lot of places to go in terms of, I don't think any of my predictions concern <laughs> that plot line specifically, but. Well, do you want to start on predictions? Cause that leads us on very nicely. Let's do it. I'll get my notes. Um, so uh, it's the, it's the smallest one. Cause I presume that uh, the Russian lot like their entire storyline is going to be them trying to get back to america mm-hmm. like i can't see that they're going to be involved in the sort of whatever battle uh emerges with vecna i agree i don't think they i think their storylines will stay broadly separate and um yeah there might be more revelations i mean it could be that there's a there's a, a um an opening in russia and that's how they get back via the upside down. Oh, that's interesting. So they might come in sort of through the back door. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's a death. So you're looking at the four of them, really, aren't you? Like you've got Hopper, mm-hmm. Joyce, um, Murray, and uh, Grigori. Mm-hmm. I mean, Grigori's the obvious one of that. Grigori, or I mean, Yuri might die, but you don't feel too up about Yuri like he's uh he's a bit of a villain yeah I mean I presume they're not taking Yuri with them on the escape like, I mean he is a so. pilot <laughs> they might they might need him for flying and that such. is an interesting point yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah no I I, I take you meaning um yeah I kind of feel like Hopper might die in the future but I've always seen it in service of saving Eleven like, I think his daughter dying and him not being able to save her in season one is Hopper's whole drive. And I think that if he dies, it will be in service of, of saving Eleven. So I don't think it will happen until they meet again. Yeah, I can see that. I, I definitely don't think that they can build up. You've got, like, the fake death at the end of 
series three, three. and then you've got the whole storyline of Joyce trying to go and rescue him. Yeah, for that to end in his death would be... Yeah, completely unsatisfying. Like, I, I can't see that happening at all. Um, I can see, particularly because they've kind of delved into uh, Grigori's, like, relationship with his son and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I can 100% there, like see there being a... Like, they only escape because um, Grigori like does something to help him escape and yeah. that like somehow Hopper manages to like see his son on the way back or get in contact with his family or sure. yeah. He, like he spoke about like wanting to be his hair like a hero and his son never sees him as a hero. I can definitely see like Hopper telling him that he's that's his heroic act. Yeah his dad is a hero. Like 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 Christopher Walken in Pulp Fiction, he's going to keep his watch up his ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can buy into all of that for sure. Love it. Yeah, so that's the Russian lot. So next small theory for you, and it's a very, very easy one, um, is Will's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess it's a bit of a tricky one from a plot perspective because I think it is, I think it's there. I think it's relatively, relatively clear that he pines after Mike. There's the things with the the painting that we never see the painting, do we? Like it never gets on. We don't know what is the painting. What is the painting? And I I don't. I'm, my first thought was that it was going to be like, like a, paint me like one of your French girls situation. <laughs> Mike then, on a chaise, a chaise lounge. <laughs> and then we're going to see Mike. It's going to be uncomfortable for everyone. Um, horrified, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, I think based on like what Mike has drawn for the rest of the earlier series, um, my gut feeling was it's them and in, in they're like D&D characters, but all, all of them in their sort of original... What they what they have in their imagination as their like D and D character looks. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, just because he'd be like, um, as I've been rewatching some of the earlier ones as well, so some of it's a bit fresher. But there's a bit in the second series where somebody calls him Zombie Boy for coming back, mm-hmm. basically coming back to life, and he immediately goes and draws that. And Joyce uses his drawings as an example and it's kind of knights on horses and like everything he draws feels into that. So I think there's three choices really, like broadly. I think there's mm-hmm. something that um, directly references his sexuality and he's going to come out to Mike um, and the drawing is part of that like coming out process. Mm-hmm. I think like definitely the it's not just been a sort of sexuality thing like will has always kind of pined after that um that childhood thing yeah. that seems to be lost of the like gang together and playing you know, D and growing up the slowest yeah uh and then the third option i guess is that when he's done drawings in the past um yes there's been those ones but there's also been him drawing the maps or like mm, that yeah. being related to the mind flayer or um so i 
guess the third option is is that it's actually like intrinsic to the plot. Yeah, it's tough to tough to say because I don't know what you do with I don't know what you do with him once he's come out in a just in a I want to phrase this <laughs> delicately, but it's in a time period where that you know he's not going to be celebrated for that in the time that it's set. I just think you put him into a difficult corner unless you want to explore that as a particular plot point. I'm not sure. I think it maybe oversimplifies the whole the whole point. Yeah, I mean, they have... You could kind of argue that they've already done that, like Robin has, uh, has come out as a gay character. That's true. And her kind of relationship theme doesn't go very far, at least in part one. Yeah. So that's fair. Yeah, that's a fair comparison. Um, I could see it. And I'm I'm for all the people who sort of stand strongly against it, I'm all for diversity of all kinds in my in my television. Um so like I'm welcome to it. I just don't know what you do with it as a as a plot thing and whether whether they've got a good idea with it. So in in doing a little bit of uh, research of uh, of kind of like fan theories, mm-hmm. I uh, I jumped onto Strange Things Reddit. Yeah. Um, and got one suggestion for you where they could go. One of my favourite things I read on Reddit. Yeah. Which is uh, slash fiction. <laughs> little little comment here. I could see Will being rejected by Mike and Vecna trying to tempt Will. Uh, with offering him like powers of his own. Oh, that is interesting. Uh, um, but then the comment afterwards says, uh, "Not powers, but Vecna might tempt Will with offering himself to be his lover." And the show ends with Vecna and Will having a baby that looks like Vecna, but has Will's ball cut. <laughs> also a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm into both of those. <laughs> and in season five, Fechner's doing a full-time job alongside humans as a therapist and Will as a housewife taking care of the child. <laughs> I mean, it'll be a shift in tone, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of into it. There's a flight of fancy I can yeah, really get on board with. Um I mean in, in seriousness, the idea of like of, of him being rejected and that either causing Will to turn to Vecna or having that as his, as a as an in for Vecna is actually a, a, a very interesting idea. It and, is, um, yeah, that, that's it. Like, I think that is a way that, like, you know, joking aside, that is genuinely a way that they can link that storyline. Yeah. Like, that the picture could be related to Will coming out that I think is, like, pretty... He's not going to get the response he wants. Yeah, it doesn't get the response that he wants. And, you know, it's, uh, whether it's, like, his... I don't know, guilt about his feelings or whether it's like actively him turning to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, um, that's pretty good. Thanks, Reddit. That's, that's, yeah. Uh... That, that is, that is, you know, plausible. Certainly better than anything I had. <laughs> Another one? Another theory? Another one. Yeah. Draw them out. Uh, so the therapist is obviously like linked in a way because Beckner is drawing on people who have been been to therapy with her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, that could just be because they are people who have like guilt or whatever it is, some kind of trauma in their past. And that is why yeah. like Fechner is um, like focusing in on them. I completely buy into this, to be honest, that mm -hmm. the therapist is being kind of mind controlled either by the mind flayer who we've seen actively like has the power to do that or by Beckner who may well have the power to do that. That's interesting because I agree that I think she's involved, but my feeling is that it's maybe more voluntary. Interesting. There's something that I picked up that I must admit I didn't see while watching the show, but has been pointed out on the internet a lot since. So she has a necklace that is a grandfather clock. She does indeed. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my notes on that point. Yeah, and obviously that is a big big symbolism for Vecna, and. Um, Catherine put forward the idea she could be a ex-employee at the Hawkins lab, a maybe a carer for the children when one was a was a child, and has that connection. I've seen a few people saying it's his sister, but I think there is a um, a, a basic race issue um, there. Where <laughs> I think they're just they're just two different races of people, um, so I think that is extremely unlikely, but. The fact that she's involved, I think, is pretty, that feels spot on in some way. I didn't really consider the idea that it's kind of mind control, but of course, that is kind of part of what it's all about, isn't it? The whole psychic abilities. Yeah, see, I jumped straight to mind control, like that she is a normal human who's worked, worked as a therapist for however many years and um, is now working for Beckner, essentially, like mm -hmm. as, as a therapist and... Um, yeah, bringing bringing people that he's able to like get into the mind of because of the things yeah. that she's like told to him. Well, yeah, she's definitely the common denominator of the, of all of the the victims. Um, maybe playing into a, a slightly wider point, but I think like Vecna's influence is getting stronger on the on the real world which would play into the idea of, of like mind control and having a few sort of avatars out in, in Hawkins that he can at least influence or something on those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's sure. not, she's not played out as a, as a bad person in any, any way. She seems like a caring, genuine therapist, but yeah, I guess our first impression was more cynical. <laughs> she's yeah. feeding them to Vecna. Yeah. Fair. Uh, so I've got you got a first like big theory for you here. I okay. mean, I, I, after a point, I'm just going to give up on theories, and it's just going to be which character do you think is going to die? Yeah, yeah, we're and, just pausing until we get there. Yeah, and then the the kind of overarching, what do we think is going to be the end game of the mm -hmm. uh, of the series? But this is the first like big theory, uh, which is that Henry Creel is Eleven's dad. Yeah. So I've I think, seen that. Yeah, I think there's, there's, like, it sort of logically makes sense. I, I'm going to tell you now, I personally don't quite buy it, but me neither. Um, like, Brenner wanted to create more people like number one. Mm -hmm. um, easily could have, like, artificially inseminated 
Eleven's mum or, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, certainly that's feasible. Like she was there um, because she was part of the um, the trials where they were basically giving them acid. Yeah. I can't think of a better way to explain yeah, that. But... Yeah, just tripping them out. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's all plausible. I kind of think from a... Sorry. I was just going to say the ages roughly work as well. Like mm -hmm. Henry would have been like 23 according to the sort of timeline. So yeah. like perfectly feasible that he could be her father, although he's yeah. much younger. I think it's all feasible. I guess just from a broader kind of plot point of view, I don't really see what it what it adds at this stage. I don't know what having him as her father. I guess the question of sort of where her power's from has never been a great concern to me because there are at least 10 others. There are, but there's also, like, nobody has... I mean, you've seen it directly in one scene. Like, mm. nobody else has similar powers to Eleven because number one was able to, like, kill everybody else. And, yeah. Like That's 11, true. Eleven was, you know, good enough to stand up to him. Yeah, and the connection with the numbering, you know, sort of being the first of their respective tens. Yeah, and also, 11. like, you see a lot, like, Henry obviously recognises something in her because he spends a lot of his time, like, drawing, like, comparisons between them. Mm. I think I think it's all plausible. I guess I don't... Um, I sort of don't care for it as an idea. <laughs> it's a funny perspective to come in on. But because of that, I just don't sort of buy into it. But it's... I, I, all the markers are there. I just don't think there's been anything that's actually pointed towards that being the case, other than it it could work. Yeah. I think I fall on, like, a similar standpoint. Like, it's not a reveal that would... I, like do a lot for me essentially yeah. i'd just be like oh that's okay <laughs> who her father was has never really been a a, a burning question so no it's not answer it it's not a mystery that needs solving right no so yeah i think all the pieces are perhaps there but it's a bit of something and nothing for me that one <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah very fair um i've got a couple other things that aren't oh, who dies go 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 because um, me and Catherine have been have been talking through it, trying to come up with what what could happen. Um, number eight, she is mentioned within the series. Yeah. Do you think there is any return for number eight at this point? Well, I did see something. It's really laying into the like D and D thing, but um, that the final battle is going to like directly kind of replicate the like big D, D battle that you see in the game. Mm -hmm. Um and I think I'm right in saying they needed 20 of the final roll. Is that right? I think so. And that uh that eleven and eight could team together and still fall one short. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. <laughs> I I personally think that the the public sort of view of that episode as a whole was so negative that they've just let the, the thread lie. A hundred percent agree. Like I think the only reason that they 
could have set that episode up is because it had some sort of impact on the storyline going forward. Like, otherwise, why would you do it? It's like he mm-hmm. introducing this kind of wider world of uh, of similar characters. The fact that they haven't touched on it again makes me think that yeah. they cast that particular storyline aside and maybe stuck with the same overarching plot, but found a different way to get to it because yeah. it was so negatively perceived. I actually don't mind it as an episode. Like I don't either, but it was um, yeah, it was pretty pretty panned. Yeah, it's just that it's it's so far out of the kind of it's so different, isn't it? Like it's completely out of the world, and you're introducing all these new characters, and mm-hmm. Eleven's being the one person with the powers, and like the savior of Hawkins, and introducing all the rest of this is it's really like it's a, it's a lot of change. Yes. Yeah. So I can see it. I can see why it's been panned. Yeah. Um, But she does get a mention briefly. But um, yeah, I think that's that's the end of number eight. Um, Another one we were discussing was, do you think all of it has been Vecna from the start? Do you think the Mind Flayer, the Demidogs, the Demogorgon has all been aspects maybe or Vecna not being able to fully control the upside down, but has it all been Vecna or because uh, he's been there the whole time, hasn't he? When, when Eleven pushes him in, that's before all the events of season one, but is he just there as a prisoner and the upside down has a sort of consciousness or is it, is it always been him? Yeah, I mean, there's the question as well of whether the Upside Down even existed. Like, has it existed for forever? Or, or did it, she, was, was it created? It kind of crea- yeah, created when Eleven banished Fechner. Uh, personally, I'm entirely going off the fact that Dustin's always right. Um, and Dustin speculated that, the, that Vecna was basically like, the mind flayers like great general like yep. that that he's kind of he sent down his like his army like the demigods the demidogs so on and that um that now he's sent down his like his main his main general his main man and that Vecna's powers are you know the closest to his but mm-hmm. but not necessarily equal to his and um yeah, I just, I just, Dustin's always right. <laughs> One thing I think that leans into the theory is in the second series, um, Will sees the huge kind of spider over Hawkins. And we know that number one in his uh, history is obsessed by spiders. Yeah, very true. That is a good point. So there's a yeah potential sort of connection that he's he's got at least some sort of control early on. Hopefully we'll you know we'll learn more about that. Um, did you notice that the upside down is stuck in like the day Will was taken? Yeah, I mean they spelled that. They out, meant, but yeah, they mentioned <laughs> yeah. Um, why so do I, you have think... no, I have no theory on that actually. Go on, what's your yeah? Uh, I was going to say why? Like, think about think about the why. Realistically, like Eleven opens the portal first. But she doesn't know what Hawkins looks like. It can't be her imprint. I think the same for number one Vecna. Like, we've got no evidence. Well, he's already in there before the point that it's stuck at. 
So it must be Will's imprint of Hawkins. But then there are things that he wouldn't know either, like the, the test cards in Nancy's room mm. wouldn't mean anything to Will on the day he went missing. As you say, they make a clear point of saying that's when it is, so I couldn't help but think why why it is. Yeah, that is interesting. Like that's gotta be a that that like that isn't a accidental thing. I mean it's a pointless no. thing. Like you would just have Hawkins in current day Hawkins. Like there's no mm-hmm. no reason for it. So the plot but, point is that they can't get the guns, but they, they specify the day it is, and that's that's gotta be something. Hmm. The only thing that I can think on that is that the Will being taken to the Upside Down is the first time that they've crossed over between worlds. Like, that Will is the first person that has been, like... In the Upside Down since... Well, yeah. I suppose since, since number one himself, but... Yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's not necessarily to do with Will. It's just that that was, like, the point that the Mind Flayer or whoever it was, like, was powerful enough to cross over between worlds. Sure, that's the date of connection. And so that's the reason why it's kind of imprinted. But that doesn't, that doesn't, although that makes sense as a theory, I don't think that it doesn't seem to lead anywhere. It's a strange thing to do just to explain why there aren't guns in Nancy's room. There are, yeah. there are easier ways to do, to do that, to have them unavailable. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's everything I've got that isn't to do with somebody dying. Yeah, I think the the dying thing is the is the interesting bit. I've got a few people kind of listed as the as the most common. Go uh, through, sus- yeah. Suspected deaths. I think the most obvious one is Eddie dying. Yeah. So can start off with that one. I think Eddie. I. You've got a bit of, um, like a story art going on there in mm-hmm. that, um he talks about his kind of cowardice when he's walking alongside Steve. Like he says, like the only reason that he dived in to go through the gate is because he saw Robin and Nancy go in first and they couldn't be the, like the cowardly guy who doesn't follow him in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he talks about that. You've also got the idea of like introducing a character just so you can kill him off. Like, well, I think that has been a, a theme a bit. I mean, Barb dies in season one. I'd say it's almost, it's a theme of, it's just a theme of television. Like, you, yeah. don't, you don't want to touch those, like, golden loved, loved characters. Like, they're kind of untouchable. So you bring in someone else, you make them loved enough that it's actually impactful when they die. Uh, but you don't have to touch that main cast too much. Yeah. Season two has Bob. Um, season Billy. three has... Uh, Billy, Billy's the exception because he is introduced in two and dies in three. <laughs> he is, but it, it's the same sort of thing. He's not like an intrinsic part of the cast, I think. No, no, he doesn't become that. And there's the other Russian um, who they like capture in season three. Yeah, Smirnoff. Who's... Can't remember his actual name, but... Yeah, Smirnoff. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's also quite lovable and gets killed. So, yeah, Eddie would fit into that... Uh, that theme especially um yeah. and and i feel like it would they go with the story arc and go like self-sacrifice like the actual moment that eddie like you know you build up his cowardice and then you see him like standing up for the other people and 
also it's hard to inter- like integrate him back into the real world again because you've you've spelled out the fact that he's like the main suspect for two murders now. Yeah, they think he's a serial killer and you can't prove otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> really. Um, yeah, so he's not got a lot to go back to. So yeah, from a story point of view, he, he might get the he might be the one up for the chop. Who's next on your list? Uh, well, I'm going to go big, uh, which is Steve. Yeah. I think it just a lot of things feel like they're pointing towards Steve building up to his big outro, much like Eddie. In fact, every time I imagine any death, it's in sacrificial service to the other characters. <laughs> like, yeah. no, nobody, it feels like it would do everybody a disservice to just have them sort of be killed for no without that kind of more heroic purpose. I, I see them all that way, but from season two onwards, Steve has been, like particularly with Dustin and their little duo, but he be, kind of became the protector of the kids. Yeah. And yeah, might come back to that again. Um, I think re- potentially rekindling Steve and Nancy's relationship could be a, a red herring just to get you reinvested again before throwing him to the lions yeah i'm gonna say like straight off the bat i think i'm team they won't kill off steve i want Um, to be team they won't kill off steve (laughs) um i i just i think they will try and find a way to get a satisfying death quota and there being enough because you have to otherwise there's kind of no there's no jeopardy there Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that characters will die, and I think they will be like loved characters. But it, it, Steve is—I think if you were doing a tier system of Stranger Things characters, I think most people would have Steve tier one. Like he's such a love character. I, I don't buy the Nancy Steve like love thing. No, I think it's a red herring. Yeah, so do I. Like, I don't, I don't see any set of circumstances that they end up together. Like, the, I've not included Jonathan on the list of people to die because there's not been any suggestion that Jonathan's involved with anything. But I feel like the only way that they could end up with Nancy and Steve together is if Jonathan does die, because I don't see them splitting those two characters up. Like, they've built yeah. a kind of love arc over three series and. Um, yeah, so that's that's the only thing that kind of leads leads into Steve dying for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like I don't I don't buy the love story, and they're really pushing that at the minute. I agree with that. I also think Jonathan, I feel, is safe for the moment for a sort of broadly similar reason to to like Steve's popularity. I think Joyce has become a very fan favorite yeah. character. I think killing Jonathan is an incredibly sort of bleak event for Joyce. And I don't think that's what, I just don't think that's what they'll do. Yeah. I don't think either of her kids will or Jonathan because the other parents are there, but they're, they're not intrinsic characters. As her Joyce is, is in the thick of it. So if any of even the other four kids were to die, it doesn't feel as... As, as gnawing <laughs> as it would when you've got having to watch Joyce mourn it, I think. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Um, I suppose the other person that's 
like directly i mean there's two people in the upside down at the end of the final <laughs> episode um so the other one alongside steve is nancy yep um I mean, she's the one in kind of the biggest, like, threat mm. uh, because, you know, Vetner has her at the end. But he treats her, like, very differently than he does anyone else. I, I think uh, this is neither a sort of argument for or against, but Nancy, it seems to be doing the supervillain thing of, you know, like, the overconfident. Can I explain villain. my plan? Yeah, like <clears throat> I know, I know you've been like, what's he say? If like, you, you've been looking for me, and um, and then explains exactly like, you know, where he is and how he got there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and for me, he's gonna let her go because of that. Like, it's a supervillain trope, it's the monster trope. It's like the overconfidence, like you're looking for me. Like I'm so confident that I'm going to win. I'm going to tell you exactly, like exactly all my backstory and plan. Mm-hmm. What I, also sort of, I feel there might be a background setup for Nancy and Robin as well, um, where I think Robin might save Nancy from Vecna. Um, their friendship kind of grows throughout this series. Um, and also there's a point where Robin is going through Nancy's tape collection i think she mm-hmm. calls out like, like some hall and oats and i think there might be a joke or like a sort of i don't know a point made that neither jonathan nor steve know nancy's favorite song but robin does yeah i could say i could also see like she picks up the music box and uh oh yeah yeah the music, music box, box i could see that having some kind of relevance although it's hard for your favorite music to be a music box but um but, you know, I think still, yeah, I think there's half potential. That that whole scene seems like like there's a reason why they're going to like call back on Robin going through everything in her room. Yeah, yeah, and it felt it felt pointed, didn't it? Like it was. There's an argument to say that that's another like indicator for why Steve will be the one who dies, because Robin's whole existence is kind of reliant on the fact that she's friends with Steve mm-hmm. and there's not really been any anything with any other characters and they've kind of built her up to have an existence outside of Steve. Yeah. Can she her, flourish without him? Yeah, because of her like budding friendship with Nancy. So definitely I can see a reading that that's another like tick in the box for why Steve would be the one who dies. Yeah. yeah. But I still I not buy be- it. I don't want it to be the case. I think my my favourite is probably Eddie because I just haven't bonded with him the same way as uh, as some of the others. But I I think Eddie's I think Eddie's gone. I think Eddie's yeah. <laughs> done I th- for. Yeah, I think the less I think it's the less interesting one. Like I think Eddie'll you know Eddie'll die part one and then you have the the big death in part two. Mm-hmm. This is my current more working theory sure go hit me and it's not fleshed out at all but i mean i've written it down as karen wheeler dies okay and i'm not even sure that karen is either going to like definitely be the one or that maybe even that karen's not the only one Mm mm-hmm 
I don't think they're going to win the final battle. I don't think it's going to be a black and white end of series. I think when the Duffner brothers are talking about it being a dark ending, not necessarily going to be that they're going to kill off major characters. It's just not necessarily going to be a victorious ending. Yeah, I, I don't think like either. I think either they'll kill off Fechner and you'll find out that Fechner's not the big bad. Mm-hmm. And that Beckner's obviously been opening up gates all over the place. So there is now a real like link between the worlds. It's not just one gate. Yeah. Or the Vecna is a big bad and they won't manage to kill him. And and so I could see like an ending where the upside down bleeds into the real world. And mm-hmm. it's not suddenly just the like the kids and obscure government agencies who are aware of the upside down but everybody is because it's part of the real world and season it's going off the rails but it means season five will be like post-apocalyptic yeah and it you kind of get into the jurassic world sort of aspect i mean when you start intermingling those two things yeah I, i can buy into the the karen wheeler though that that makes sense to me definitely on kind of a, a slightly connected point, do you think the f- the final sort of showdown within this series are they going to be in the upside down, or is Vecna going to have got out into real Hawkins? Yeah, I mean, I presume that although you kind of see Vecna in the real world, he's only inside people's minds, right? Like, he's not physically there. Like, he's still physically in the Upside Down. In the Upside Down, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be a huge department. That, having said that, like, obviously, other characters from the Upside Down are physically in the real world in previous seasons. Yeah, the Mind Flayer and the Demigorgon both yeah. come into the real world. So it's not... It could cross over. And is is that his ultimate aim? You know, yeah. he's been there for... What's it supposed to have been? Five years or so between kind of eleven killing everybody and then finally escaping the lab. Yeah, something like that. So he's been there a while. Like, is it his intention to get out, or do you want to bring Hawkins in, or could is you know, is it just about revenge? <laughs> is it just about getting eleven? Yeah, interesting. Um, but I think yeah, I just think that kind of it changes the parameters of what victory or defeat looks like at the hands of Vecna, depending on how and where that happens. Yeah, I guess because I can see them trying to have a character death without killing off a character that's intrinsic to the story, I could 100% believe that it's in the real world. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. You say it allows you to bring in much more of the kind of background cast who have always been there. But yeah, I think that I think that covers everything that uh, that I've come up with. Oh, we've got two more days, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. But... Uh, absolutely. Cool. Well, it's uh, it's been fun. Like spit balling series. Absolutely, more. I think that's the thing with uh, particularly with with lockdown and that is you don't always get those opportunities. Well, they're coming back a bit now, but just to talk about the stuff that you are currently watching, and it definitely adds just an extra dimension of enjoyment when you knock it back and forth a bit. Mm, 100%.
But until then, we'll bid you adieu. Um, we'll have another uh, handful of these short episodes, aren't we doing? That's the plan. That's the plan. So keep an eye out and they will come. Until then, bye.